Hello, everyone. This is David. This is Mike. And before we jump into the podcast topic on dealing with depression, we wanted to do a quick announcement to let you guys know that, you know, we changed our name of the podcast from Wrestling With Scripture to the Kingdom Misfits podcast. Now, even though we're still going to continue with the theme of Wrestling With Scripture, there's already a podcast out there with the same name. So we felt that it was only right that we changed the name. And the reason why we chose the Kingdom Misfits is because it fits our personality types and kind of describes the way that, you know, we are in our rebellious nature, as well as um, the way we just look at being a Christian, the way that we approach it and the way that our personalities match, if that makes sense. And I I also feel like um, if you look back in in scriptures, you know, Jesus was a misfit. And amongst his peers, and amongst the crowd, you know, he was the guy that stood out. So I just, you know, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus, right? Yep, and we're being misfits. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into the episode on dealing with depression. into the first segment on dealing with brokenness and depression i wanted to get some quick uh i wanted to get a a quick reference most people don't need to be told what it is but i wanted to get some context to that and the american psychiatric association describes depression as a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel the way you think about and how you act fortunately it is also treatable depression causes feelings of sadness and or a loss of interest in activities you once enjoyed it can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems and can decrease your ability to function at work and at home. Now, there are some uh, symptoms that go along with depression, and this is in the same article that I got from the American Psychiatric Association where it says, feeling sad or having a depressed mood, loss of interest or pleasure in activities once enjoyed, changes in appetite, weight loss or gain unrelated to dieting, trouble sleeping or sleeping too much, loss of energy or increased fatigue, increase in purposeless physical activity, such as inability to sit still, pacing, handwriting, or slow movements or speech. These actions must be severe enough to be observed by others. There's also feeling worthless or guilty, difficulty thinking or concentrating or making decisions. And this last one's pretty tough. It's thoughts of death or suicide. Yeah, and I think that's where... I can speak from, and I think you can, and a lot of, uh, a lot of Christians or just men in general. I think men deal, deal a lot with the depression and suicide um, aspect of that. And as you're reading those off, I was listening to them, and I was like, "Man, that's I bet you, 99% of the guys that listen to this was like, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's Definitely. me." And I think it's doesn't go without saying that I, I feel men deal with depression and suicide a lot more than women do and I think that you know statistics show that men tend to commit suicide a lot more than women do and I don't have those facts right in front of me but I know uh, I read the an article stating that you know it's 
four times more likely that a man will commit suicide uh, than a woman would. Part of that, I believe, is goes back to we're taught to be tough and and keep everything in and and just keep moving forward and not talk about our feelings and not talk about things that we struggle with. And then I feel like you know the devil uses that against us because when you're caught up in your sin, he makes it very you know makes you feel like you're the only one dealing with this. And you can't relate to anybody. Yeah. And there's also, I believe that there's, you know, men and women deal with it differently. And for, like you said earlier, we, we tend to hold things down and we bury that. Whereas I, I feel like, and I don't want to categorize all women, but I feel like women are pretty good at expressing their emotions. Whereas us men, we, we tend to we tend to kind of internalize, keep shut it, down. shut it down until it manifests itself in, in, in ugly ways. And you're right, as, as, as I was reading that off, I can see in different seasons of life, or sometimes all at once, all of those symptoms happening. Which leads me to this question, Mike, and, and it's something that I want us to wrestle with. And that is, you know, we're, we're Christians. We're followers of Jesus. We believe in God. Now, is depression biblical? Or is it okay as a believer to have depression? Even though statistics show it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. So many people struggle with, and we're not doctors. <laughs> yeah. We put that away. We don't have any clinical advice to give you. This is just a candid conversation about depression. So, is it okay to be to have depression and and say you're a Christian? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I feel I feel so, and and I know so because I dealt with it. But so, if we're speaking to our our Christian crowd and, and our Christian friends that deal with uh, depression, um, let, let me say this. And I want to be very clear and, and, and very serious for a moment. Depression is a spirit. Depression is a demon. And that's just the name the world will say, you know, like all, all that stuff that you li listed off. And this is from a personal. What makes you think that, though? Let's clarify that. So personally, mm -hmm. right, <clears throat> I dealt with depression for a long time. I was very depressed. And I went to church and I would talk about it in, in my recovery class and and I would always say, oh yeah, my depression. And people would flip out, like, don't call it that. That's not yours, that's not yours. It's almost like this is taboo. Yeah, and it's like, <clears throat> I'm like, and I would get upset. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this, you don't know how I feel. You don't You don't see these these dark things that are inside of me, like uh, my loneliness, my, uh, my suicide uh, thoughts, and all this stuff that I struggle with. I'm like, you guys don't see this. You guys don't deal with this. Uh, you know, like this is something that I struggle with or that I wrestle with, you know, and I would always get so upset at people when they told me to stop uh, calling it mine. They're like, it's not yours to claim. I'm like, this is something wrong with me inside. Like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. You know, this is me. This is who I am. Like, I'm a depressed person until one day I had a great friend or I have a good friend. Uh, his name's Mike Vigil. Uh Shout out to Mike Vigil. Uh I love this guy and he um he told me one day in in recovery class he's like if you don't want to be depressed just don't be depressed exactly. that doesn't even make <laughs> right? sense right so i i was angry with him i was mad i i did like I, for about a year i would say i i felt anger toward him until one day after this and and then let me preference this real quick is i i when I'm walking with God, right? I'm doing my Bible studies. I'm doing, I'm, I'm spending my time with God. I'm growing in my walk and in my faith. 
So a year goes by with me growing and with me, you know, diving into the word with me, uh, my, my faith is getting stronger. And one day I had this dark cloud just come over me. Like I felt it heavy, heavy. Like I was like, this is going to be a bad, a bad week. And then I remember what he said. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be depressed today. And so was it so simple? No, I, I doubt that. It was a lot of work to get there. But what I think what he where he was coming from and and, and look, he, he, he was speaking. He, this guy, he's he's a great man of God. Right. And he goes like he's. He's gone through his trials and stuff, and he's made him out, and he's he spends every waking moment with God. So for him to not be depressed, just don't be depressed, was very easy, because you're walking with God, and He's right there, right? But for somebody like me that had um, a lot of demons to fight, a lot of heart issues to get through, a lot of shame and guilt, and a lot of ugliness inside me that I was dealing with, it just wasn't that easy. But I got to a point in my faith and my love with Christ was, it was that easy. It got that easy. Amen. So it's 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 a process. It was a process for me. At the end of the day, I mean, I still struggle. It still comes back. Yeah. Every now and then, but I I'm equipped to make that choice to make it that easy. And I also think, Mike, that it is a a symptom or a manifestation of cer- of of a certain season that you're going through in life. There's, there's times and seasons when I've been depressed as a result of it could be something to do with work. It could be something to do with a relationship. It could be something to do with your self-esteem. And I just feel like depression is it's one of those, those, those closet monsters. It's like the monster under the bed that creeps into your, that, that, that kind of, when you're alone, it creeps out from under the bed and starts haunting you mm-hmm. starts terrorizing you it's like your thoughts and if you've never been equipped with the tools to deal with depression then what do you do you succumb to that and you start feeding into it. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and how, how um you know the examples of what you feed grows but depression is something that i've struggled with in so many seasons of my life and i do feel that when i accepted jesus in my heart I learned to see depression differently. Not that I didn't go through it. It's just that I now had a source that I knew could set me free from that. But the stigma that came along with that, I almost felt guilty. And even though I never approached anybody, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those examples of the guys who does not talk about my feelings very often. That is an area where I need much improvement. But I do recall, like, here's an example. One time I was on my high horse and I was, it was, it was through a job and I found my identity through what I was doing. And then I started to spiral down. Okay. I started thinking, okay, I can get away with this. I can get away with this. And to be honest, I left, I I took some time off of the day for my job to go to a Christian leadership conference thinking I can work remote and attend a conference because I needed that. Because I was having issues trying to lead up to my manager. I was having performance issues. You know, I was just having performance anxieties. I I wanted to, I didn't have the leadership I needed at work, but I also wanted to step up and fulfill a role. So like I said, I had my identity wrapped in that. Well, 
Suffice to say, I was in between managers at that time. Like I went through like four or five different managers within, I would say two months. And on top of that, I was working remote and I was having relationship issues. I had all these things bubbling up, but I kept hanging on to this stupid identity that came from work and provision. So while I was at this conference, um, you know, somebody I was supposed to be taking care of an account executive and you know, for it wasn't even my client. And I just said I would do that um, for I said I would cover for somebody. And while I was going to this conference, which I should have said, no, I'm not going to do that. But I thought, oh, I can manage both. And I ended up getting fired because something went wrong with one of their clients. And I thought I was doing good. I was making decent money, um, you know, but depression had creeped in like at least six months before this event took place. And that finally set it off. And from that, I spiraled out of control and I started seeing my self-worth as nothing. I know I made a mistake. So one, I felt stupid. Two, you know, I was angry. Um, you know, I was angry at myself. Then I was kind of angry at my situation. I was angry at my spouse. I was just mad and blaming everybody for stuff. And then what happened after that is I started uh, getting into substance abuse. So I just developed a bad habit. I was smoking all kinds of weed. And then I just started just isolating myself and, and being stuck with nothing but my thoughts. And I specifically remember like how I would sit there and justify my feelings of depression and, and take it out on my family. Like I was so at a low point that everybody was getting it. It didn't matter. I wanted to be left alone and I just wanted to get high. And I stayed like that for six months in the darkness. And I remember those feelings in those alone times, embracing the darkness while, you know, going to church too, trying to shed it off. I didn't want anybody to think anything was going, it was wrong with me. And, and of course, you know, it would manifest because I'd call in or I wouldn't do as well. I'd be short with people. And what was coming into my mind was destroying me. It was causing a rift in my marriage, a rift, a rift in my relationships. And I didn't know what to do. And I'd listen to sermons while enjoying the substance abuse. And, and I, I tried to call on God, but God was distanced from me. Now, I want to talk about this for a second. I want to park on this because part of this topic is brokenness, dealing with brokenness and depression. That darkness and the lone, uh, I would say loneliness that comes from being depressed has, has really set a lot of people back. And if you don't know how to cope with that or ask for help, you can spiral out of control. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. You, you, get, a, you get alone. <clears throat> you get alone with your thoughts and, and you're in a, a bad place. Like that's just, uh, man, that's a recipe for, for disaster. And I, I, I remember the same, you know, the, the same feeling when I got laid off my job. You know, and I was going home to commit suicide that day. Right. I remember you, know, you telling us that. I, I, I remember those feelings and, and all that. You know, I, what I, a side note I want to say, I, I kind of feel like, you know, there's there's different types of depression, right? Agreed. You know, I feel like there's some that manifests its way to uh, through you from uh, the your childhood, the way you're brought up. Um, you know, maybe there's a uh, chemical imbalance because you know you were born uh, a drug addict you know like that I, that I feel like there's 
a lot more out there uh, just to kind of say like, oh yeah, depression is this big uh, group of people. Like, I, I feel like there's there's a reason and, and there's a, there's different reasons why people get to fight depression. So I think like I could speak on the spiritual side of it and I could speak on uh, where I come from side of it and how it manifests its way through my life. But I don't know about the, uh, you know, I can't speak for people that have chemical imbalances or, uh, what, you know, other ways that depression comes out. But I do firmly believe that you, you, you fight this battle, not just with, uh, you know, therapy and, and not just with, Maybe you uh, you need to take you know pills for uh, a while to get you your chemicals ba back balanced, or but you fight this battle on your knees and you fight this battle with other people. Yeah, but before you go there, let's talk about that the feeling because I feel like I, I've you know I've listened to shows that talk about depression and stuff, but the hard part to talk about, and I don't know if you want to go there, but it's like what does that blackness feel like? You know, I feel like it's a uh, what was I thinking? Like a Charlie Brown show where you just walk in and there's a cloud <clears throat> following cloud, you, the yeah. dark cloud following you and raining on you. Because that everybody's situation when it comes to that is unique. And we want to let everybody know who's listening to this podcast that, you know, there's help. Not only in the name of Jesus, but there's also many organizations that can help you with your depression. Yeah. But when you but don't just sit there and isolate yourself and deal with it reach out reach out because i understand for example when i was going through that season of depression i felt like nobody could understand what i was going through right you know and and i don't believe that what i was going through was, was an isolated situation like nobody's ever been laid off let go fired before you're the or, only one yeah right like but you feel like that <laughs> yeah no for and sure. and it feels like the world's coming down around you you just think about you you, you ruminate on how dumb you are, how, how dumb that decision was, how nobody can help you. Not even my partner could understand me. And it's like this self wallowing and self pity. Yeah, and you, you're, you just let your family down. How, how is your family gonna eat? You're gonna lose your house. You know, it all comes. Yeah. It all comes and It's overwhelming. Down. But you, you wanna know how it feels? Yeah. And let's you wanna, talk about you wanna it. be uh, very honest? It's comfortable. Familiar. It's very comfortable. Hmm being in that in that place even though as much as you you hate being there you love it at the same time because you feel like that's who you are that's your identity mm. you you feel like this is your purpose like you finally fit in you finally have something that you can label yourself as and it's comfortable and it's it feels good i would agree with that so if I'm being honest, I just like with uh, with my drinking and, and and drug use, I enjoyed it. It I was fun. I felt I felt like I was somebody, you know, but that's because I didn't know who I was. Yeah. So I I just grabbed the first thing that would accept me, and that's what led me down to you know my destruction. And the substance abuse, because when you throw in substance abuse or a certain reckless behavior, mm -hmm. that feels good because it clouds your judgment. Yep. And and when I was, I, I just recalled so vividly, like every time I would, I would just like 
go in my garage, I'd leave my family, I would I would roll up a joint, twist that, play my music, and just kind of ruminate on all the issues that I was going through. You're right. It did feel familiar. It did feel comfortable because I was I I was able to sit there and say, I messed up. And not even in a way that that's accountable, but just like, you know what? It wasn't just this. It was my childhood. It was all these things. I was thinking of everybody to blame. And then I put myself there as the victim. And I could just feel comfortable in that. I could just sit in there like, yeah, you justified. You know what? I, I should get messed up because I deserve that. Who cares? And I loved feeling numb too. And I think the weed or alcohol or whatever you want to call it, it masks a lot of the true pain that you would be feeling. Yeah, and I, man, I did the I did the same thing. You know, I was I was coming home, but mine was drinking. You know, that was my vice. And then uh, I would always have these uh, moments where I would, you know, speaking to God, like I didn't even want to be here. I, I I didn't choose to be born. You know, you're the one that put me here, and then you give me this screwed up life and this, uh, you know, this. Uh, abusive childhood that I grew up with, this abandonment uh, childhood that I had to grow up with, this uh, try to fit in type of, you know, I'm like blaming yeah. God for everything that happened to me it was all his fault because I, I didn't ask to be here, you know, and then you get comfortable uh, taking that stance. Yeah. You, you get familiar with it. You get good at it. You get really good at it. And then, you know, there, there comes a, a, a time, a, an awakening in, in your in your spirit, you know, and you know that's where the fight begins. It does. Which 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 one are you gonna feed? Yeah, and and it takes. Uh, and I, I went that route too. Okay, so while going through depression and going through that season, and doing all the substance abuse, I also went to go get help, and I went to go see a doctor. And one of the areas, and and again. I just want to reiterate, we're not giving any medical advice. We're, we're just speaking from experience here about the depression that we dealt with. Um, I felt like when I went to go see the doctor or talk to a therapist, well, family doctor, I, I didn't feel like anything that they talked to me about I could resonate with. So I didn't feel any type of connection with, with, the, with the medical help that I was trying to receive. And I felt like when I went in there, as a man, I felt like, I was being almost judged, like, hey, why, why are you depressed? But then, you know, of course, they take out the trusty pen and pad, write you a subscription. So I started taking the medications. And then that's where things really got interesting for me. Because the depression medications that I was taking made me feel like a zombie. So not only was I trying to feel comfortable in my self-pity, I was now numb from feeling anything from taking all the medications that I was taking. And that got me really spiral, spiraling out of control to the point where I checked out and I didn't talk to my family. And, and, and when my wife would bring her concerns to me, she'd be like, hey, David, you know, we're here. Do you not see us? And then I'd be like, leave me alone. I need to go to the garage and do my thing because that was my safe space, so to speak. I hate that word too, safe space. <laughs> but that was a safe space for me. And I was ignoring them. I was ignoring my kids. Nothing in the world mattered. The only thing that mattered was me and my, 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 my depression. But that numbness, it took it to a whole nother level. And then I started taking more of the depression medications because I was like, 
I got so used to it. And I was like, I feel numb. Let me try something else. Then they put me on something else. And then it made it even worse. So here I am with substance abuse as well as taking medications and just kind of, I was lost. I felt like I, I lost like six, seven months of my life just being totally oblivious to what the hell's going on around me. And praying, even though I prayed, I don't think I wanted God to fix me. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we, I don't think we do. You know, even though I'm sitting there uh, blaming God for, for everything and, and telling him, you know, you made me and this and that. Like I said, man, when, when you're in your misery and when you're depressed and you're in your darkness, like I, I felt comfortable. Yeah. Like I was, I was, I was okay being there. And, you know, that's, that's a dangerous, that's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah. And, and then you could see, I, I could understand why people kill themselves. I, I could, I could I almost, agree. it almost became a re, my reality, you know, and that's a scary, scary thought. And there was one time I woke up in the middle of the night sweating and then I started crying because I realized I can kill myself and I wanted to. And you, you embraced that thought. And I accepted it and it scared me. That is a scary place. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I was thinking of Psalm 42, um, verses 3 through 5, where, where the psalmist says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him my salvation. My, my tears have been my food day and night. That really resonated with me. God, where are you? And, and that battle, that in, as believers and in struggling with depression, there's that battle that happens. That I'm angry with you, God. You know, if you're out there, why am I feeling this way? Why are you not fixing my situation? What, what's going on here? You said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it feels like, you know, of course, in that, in that dialogue, I'll be honest, I'm like wrestling with God, you know, provoking God. If you're really out there, do this for me. Take this away. It didn't work like that for me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was at that time, it was a no. You got some stuff you got to deal with. And God did deliver me, and I'll, and I'll share that in a little bit. But that whole anger and just like, hey, my, my, my tears have been my food day and night. My sorrow has been my food day and night. Where are you, God? Where, where is your God? When you were going through your depression, how did you, how did you wrestle with God? As, as when you were saved, you know, not, not before you were saved, but as a believer, how did you wrestle with God when it came to depression? I, that was my secret sin. I kept that from a lot of people and I put on a show, right? And like, I would be real and I'll be uh, like open with everybody. But when it came to depression and stuff, I kind of kept that to myself. Cause like I said, that was my, my comfort zone. And so I think with that, it was, um, I always, I always had an excuse, right? I always had a, uh, 
a way to go back to the world. If if this church thing didn't work out, if this Jesus thing didn't work out, I I, I had that I kept that door open, and that that door was you know I always kept going like back to depression and allowing it to you know manifest it, and I I thought I was controlling it, and I thought I was. Uh, you know, like that. This is just who I am, and 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 how I have to live, and I accepted it. Mm. You know, and I accepted the fact that I felt this way. I accepted the fact that I hated myself. I accepted the fact that um, I hated the, my life and everything I've done, and like there, there was no, I couldn't love myself, so I couldn't love anyone else. Like I, like truly love. You know, like when when. When someone looks at you and they tell you they love you, you know if it's just their same words or if they really feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's why now, when when I when I speak to people, when I talk to them, or when I'm around them, I hug them and I tell them I love them. It's truly because I love myself now, and I have to love everyone else because when I was giving myself to depression and I hated myself. I hated everybody else because everybody else was happy and I wasn't. There's but, a jealousy that yeah. goes on there. But now, you know, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, when 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 you're filled with God's love, you you can't contain that. You can't hide that. Mm. You know, it, it, it you could hide your sin, but you can't hide God's love. You can't hide light. Nope. But you can you can you can mask what you're going through. Yeah. Because again. It's like being a functioning alcoholic. Yeah. Okay. Like you can go, you can go into church, because you know nobody likes to show, like to shows their, likes to show their hand in church. You have to put on that. I'm blessed, brother. Yeah. You know, what I mean? you don't want anybody to know what is going on with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I just found that. Yeah, let, let's talk about that, because I, I want to talk about that stigma that comes along with depression and being a person of faith. So. Let me start with this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from an article I got from uh, gotquestions.org. And, and it says this, Is it wrong for a Christian to be depressed? And it states this, Christians are permitted to call trouble for what it is. At the same time, we take heart in God's care. Taking heart does not mean pasting on a smile or ignoring the feeling of emptiness that depression brings. It does not mean neglecting to treat depression through counseling or medication. It does not mean ignoring the relational hurts or the misperceptions that have led to the depression. Satan's lies, if we believe them, will lead us to despair. It does not mean denying the fact that depression could be a lifelong struggle. I really like that from that article because we're permitted to call that. And Mm -hmm. it's a spiritual battle. But why do we put on that facade, that 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 that, that fakeness when we go into church? Like out of all places, that should be your sanctuary, the place where you can go and acknowledge, like, hey, I know I'm a sinner. I'm coming in here to worship amongst everybody with people who should be the most accepting of your situation. But there's but something not. in the culture mm-hmm. that makes that taboo. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it you know what it is? It, it's when I talk to people. Uh, so, sometimes some of the guys at work, I, you know, I, I I talk to them and stuff, and they're like, "Well, you know, I, I don't think I'm good enough to to go to church, or 
you know, this they, they have an excuse, right? And I'm like, I tell them like, hey, let me tell you a dirty little secret about church. And this may break everything. This, you know, this may, this may break the internet right now. <laughs> let me tell you a dirty secret about the church. The church is filled with sinners. You don't say. Every single one of us. No way. Every single one of us. So for people to try to ignore the fact that once you become a Christian, that life is just sunshines and rainbows and a plastic smile, right? That's not the truth. And Nor the, are you guaranteed it. And the problem about that is, is I think, and I don't know, who, there's a lot of churches and a lot of pastors out there that sell that to people. They, 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 they sell the rainbows and the plastic smiles. All love, all joy, all yeah. the time. But the reality is, what did Jesus say in the Bible? That they hated him before they hate before they're gonna hate us, right? Mm-hmm. That he they they came and the way they treated him is the way they're gonna treat us. Who, what who who's gonna follow something that's gonna say you know that's gonna that people are gonna hate you and then you're gonna be persecuted and you're gonna struggle, right? And you're gonna uh, you're gonna go through all these trials and tribulations because there is a war going on for your soul. There is good and evil. You know, so there is that battle. God says in the Bible that he didn't come to bring happiness and joy to everybody. He came to bring peace and to fulfill things, right? But that happiness, man, like, that's where the battle begins, you know? And, and yeah, man, like I tell the guys, I'm like, man, this, our church is full of sinners. And you know what? We're not ashamed of it. I'm not, I don't hide my sin. You know, I don't, I don't hide who I am, especially not anymore. Not after I, 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 you know, got over and conquered, uh, depression in my life. And not only after I, I got over and conquered alcohol in my life, you know, all these things that I struggled with after I got, I conquered them. You know what? God's love is in, in Jesus is so amazing. It is. It's, it's the, I've never felt I never felt God's love before like this, man. It's come when you when you grow up searching for love and then you find Jesus. I, I man, I just God, it's it's amazing to be called a child of God. Yeah. It's amazing to finally get over all these you don't real you get used to carrying all this weight. Jesus just takes it away from you and you don't it feels so good man it's it's I I I, I can't understand or I, how people can't believe in 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 a loving God because the relationship is personal and if you don't allow Jesus into your heart mm. you don't get to experience that personal relationship millions of people have experienced that right that that, that changing power of the Lord, but that's when you make him your Lord and Savior. And you're right. The church is a building filled with a bunch of sinners. We're all broken. And when we talk about dealing with brokenness and depression, the house of God is a hospital. It is a place where you go get healed. It is a place where you can go and lay it all down at the feet of the cross Right? There's always altar calls in the church. Yeah. There's always an altar call, even though I know it's uncomfortable to go to that. But 
that's the time to do it. It's that public, it's that public admittance that I am a sinner. And what you're doing is you're saying, I am willing to put all of that aside, all of my sin. I'm willing to take my addiction, my depression, my anger, my sorrow, XXX, whatever that looks like for you, and lay it down at the feet of the cross and invite Jesus to come into your heart and change you. And that is the hospital. That is why the church is the hospital. We all go there. And most people in the church can relate to you because everybody has that redemption story. There seems to be this thing about depression, though. To me, it feels like there's this weird outlier about this because what I feel like, and maybe there's something out there to back this up. Maybe there's some studies or maybe somebody's, maybe there's somebody who can elaborate on this for us. But it's like if you admit that you have depression, it's almost like admitting that you don't have enough faith. And, we, you know, when you're in, when it comes to church, you're like, hey, I'm filled with the spirit and I got faith for days. So to say I'm depressed, doesn't that not say, oh, where's your faith at? Do you right. have faith in that word? Right. Right. Yeah. And man, I, I, I guess I could say subconsciously I, I, I battled that, you know, mm-hmm. not really knowing. Uh, I couldn't put it in words that like like you just said, uh, but I, I felt like. There was something that wasn't making me a true believer, mm-hmm. right? And then I was like, ah, oh, you know, I didn't know what it was. But then uh, now that you say that, it kind of makes sense because you don't want people to know that you're broken. Exactly. You don't, you know, when people see you at church, they know you as, uh, you know, your job title. They know you as, you know, if you're a father, they know you, you know, as they know you. As Everything what, worldly. And that's your. A lot of people maybe use that as uh, church as a place to escape their reality too, you or know? a social so, gathering. Exactly, and so they're very careful what they le- what they let out because you don't want to be the guy that's known that has a porn addiction. You don't want to be yeah. known as the guy that's the that's the depressed guy. He's always sad. You don't want to be known as the closet drinker or whatever whatever secret sin that you're dealing with or whatever uh, heart issue that you have. Yep. You don't want people to know you like that. Yeah. And and I wish it's it's so interesting and and it's I don't know who came up with this quote but it says why should I judge how can you judge somebody who sins differently than you? We all sin differently. Mm-hmm. We all have these different vices. And it blows my mind because again, the church is the hospital. And it's where the broken come and get healed, find Jesus. But we just put that statement because faith is is sort of, is elevated. Mm-hmm. It, it's elevated, and the person with the most faith, right? Like every church, you got you know Sister Mary, Brother Joseph, or whatever that is. The person who's just like, man, that's the model Christian right there. Their faith is so like I need some of that faith. I just want to touch them so I can get some of that faith. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying that as as being condescending. Because there's people who God has changed their lives where they're unrecognizable from the sin that they came into the church to get healed from. Yeah. So that is a good thing. It's not a good thing when we say um, faith, when we elevate faith to the level where we can no longer keep it real with each other. I want to point out the fact that when we come across a non-believer... And we want to help them get on the right path, right? 
do we say, hey, do you want to have a um, original relationship with Jesus? Do you want to have uh, do you, um, you want to have a cookie cutter relationship with Jesus? Like you gotta all wear a white shirt with a black tie, right? This mm. is the way you do your relationship. You gotta go door to door, knocking on doors and asking. You know, I, I am throwing jabs, but mind, <laughs> your, mind yourself. <laughs> you know, some jazz but, over there. <laughs> but like, no, we we ask people, would you? like a personal relationship with Jesus personal mm. what what is it what like that you know what that means personal that means that <laughs> my baggage and my problems now become Jesus's baggage and problems between him and I and we deal with those yep right and and is there more people like me that struggled with the same issues? Yeah, of course. We all we all have the same issues. Somebody can relate to somebody. And that's why, you know, God, Jesus says, uh, your testimony is going to be one of your, uh, it's going to be your strongest, uh, strong point in your faith. Because the people that I can reach, you know, with my testimony, and the people that you could reach with your testimony, you know, that's, that's how we relate to each yeah. other, with si- similarity. But... It all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's the foundation, the cornerstone. Yeah, so you come in with the personal relationship with Jesus, and you get with Him one on one, and that's where all the growing starts. You don't you don't go to church and try to be like somebody else because they're having a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, you can't like my my wife and I. We don't copy other people's marriages. Like we don't do the same things that they do. You know, oh, they have they have all that. Like, what are they doing? Like, they seem so happy. Like, what are they doing? Hey, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't have interest like that. That husband does. I don't. You know, I'm not that type of guy. Like, I'm this guy. Yeah. You know, so my relationship works with my wife because we're this way. It's the same thing with God, with Jesus. You know, you you have a personal relationship. So for you to for people to do a standard on what a Christian looks like. That's that is such a smoke and mirror. That's so false. Like, yeah, don't want to be in a cookie cutter Christian. Don't be a cookie cutter Christian yeah. because that doesn't exist. Nope. And if you are one of those cookie cutter Christians, cut that out. Break the mold. Break the mold. You know, and 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 further say, like in that article from GotQuestions.org, they say what taking heart does mean is bringing all of our pain to God, and that's what you were just talking about, Mike. It does mean continuing to trust in Him. It does mean believing that what he says about himself and about us is true, even when we don't feel like it, it is. It does mean getting the help we need, battling depression rather than giving into it. We acknowledge the depravity of the world, but we also acknowledge the sufficiency of God. Now, with that being said, we're going to move into our next segment. feed. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, My son, 
The battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil, it is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good, it is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. All right, welcome back. We're about to jump into topic two. Um, this one is on what you feed grows. And I love that story about the, the, the Indian parable about the two wolves, which according to Wikipedia was popularized by Billy Graham in his book, The Holy Spirit, Activating God's Power in Your Life. Graham attributed this legend to an Eskimo fisherman, but is also sometimes attributed to the Cherokee Indians. So that, that, that is a great illustration of the battle that goes on inside of it. I mean, that sums it up very well. Who do you surround yourself with? Exactly. You know, who, who are your friends? You know, where, like, who, who are you in the world or who are you in Christ? You know, for me, when, when I was dealing with uh, depression, like I said, it was my secret sin. It was a thing I kept in the closet. And I would look for every opportunity to feed it, right? Every, every little argument I had with my wife, guess what I was doing? I was feeding my depression. I was going and drinking, you know, and everybody knows drinking is uh, a depressant. It brings you down. And uh, so I was just feeding it every chance I got. So when when the world hits you and and that depression was stronger than my faith in God, when I got let go, when I got laid off on, uh, from work, what, uh, what, what wolf came running out? It was depression. Mm. That's, that, that, that was the day that... You know, I was leading myself to suicide, and that was all because that's what I was feeding behind closed doors. Yeah, and that adage goes, garbage in, garbage out. It's easy to get into a cycle of negativity because we're surrounded by it. You're surrounded by it on TV. It could be within your your your, your circle of friends. Mm-hmm. could be at work. The music you listen to. The music you listen to. All of that influences you. As I was reading that, The Wolf You Feed, I'm, I'm just looking at two wolves. I can, I can visually see two wolves, one with its teeth just, just out, ready to devour and track you down. This is something that has changed my life. I, I first learned about What You Feed when I became a follower of Jesus. And, you know, the big emphasis is on learning the Word of God. Hard times are going to come and they're going to go. But the word of God is eternal. Hmm. And the more I started teaching myself the word and the more I started getting that into me, the, the more things that were operating inside of my heart changed. My, my outlook on life started to change. And I'm going to get back. And we're going to tie this into depression. But it's important to understand that what you feed grows. Mm-hmm. Depression isn't exempt from that. Because what we read earlier when I was referencing the, um, the American Psychiatric Association, they said that depression is also treatable, right? And then my, we already talked about there's different kinds of depression, but the general depression is treatable. 
and, and along with counseling and having somebody to guide you and talk about stirring up those emotions, you're also listening to the word of God and, and, and feeding yourself that word. And the word cannot come back void, mm-hmm. which is one thing that God said. When I was dealing with my depression, Mike, like I said earlier, like, God, where are you? You're not here. I can't feel you. I'm numb. I don't see you in any of my situations. I don't see you helping me get out of this. Oh my gosh, my situation in my head, super magnified, mm-hmm. the biggest thing in the world. You know, everybody else is probably like, the hell is wrong with you? But to me, it was magnified because I kept feeding myself. You're a victim. You're a victim. Don't, don't listen to what they say. You're a victim. Everybody owes you. The world owes you. God owes me for the trauma or the things that I'm going through, the things that I suffered in my life. God owes me. That's a poor mindset. And, that, and when you keep feeding that, that monster is going to grow to the point where nobody can tell you anything. And, and, and you can block yourself off from the word of God. He can give you over to a debased mind. And that's a scary thing to happen. But the, the fallback from that, feeding yourself with negativity, telling yourself that you don't amount to anything, can really shrink your confidence, make you insecure, and destroy not only your relationship with God, but with everyone around you. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, you, you hear a lot of people and my wife is very good at this because I, I don't have, I don't have a filter sometimes, you know, I well, can a lot of, a lot of times I don't have a filter. So I will say things, um, to my daughter or, you know, I'll say things to somebody and she'll, you know, give me that look like, Hey man, you shouldn't have said that, you know, like she's, she's going to take that hard. And like, what I'm trying to get at is words carry a lot of weight words can do a lot and and for somebody that is in a depressive state and you say something you know negative or 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 dark to them that that carries a lot that that carries a lot of weight so the way you speak to people or the way um you talk to people it's it's important to understand that your words mean something and they they carry weight so it when you're encouraging somebody how does that make them feel good right yeah and even if you're depressed and and you're in a dark place when someone gives you a compliment it makes you feel good it gives you a little bit of light a little bit of hope in that moment so you know what we say to one another or what we say to ourselves you know, I think and a lot of times people make fun of other people that, you know, they, they write positive things on their on their mirror or the daily they'll, affirmation. Yeah, they'll, they'll write a bunch of stuff everywhere. But those really work because when you find yourself struggling and you look up in that mirror and you think you're ugly or or you think you're fat or, uh, you know, whatever, however, depression uh, rears its ugly face, you know, and makes you feel. When you look on that and, and you see like uh, a verse, your, your daily verse that, that gets you going in the morning, you know, you see that and then you say it out loud. There's power in that. Exactly. Yeah. Anchoring yourself. 
to God's Word. And this is something that I know that I need to improve on, is learning the address of all the scriptures that we read. I mean, I'm not the best at that. That's why I have a smartphone, or I'm on the Bible app highlighting everything, but I still can't recall it all. But you're, you're right. There's something psychological that happens when you say, I am, and you put something positive in front of that. Because you're, you're, you're changing. You're changing from I am nobody. I am the lowest of the low to somebody who says, I am loved. Exactly. Because think of it like this. You're, you're looking at a, v, a new, brand new vehicle, right, that mm-hmm. you want to buy. And say that, you know, just for conversation, you buy a Jeep. I like Jeeps. What do you see every time you go out? You'll see a Jeep. Right, right. You're like, there's so many Jeeps. Who, who knew there was? I've never Every seen so many. Every stop sign, yes. I've never seen so many Jeeps before in my life, right? After I you agree. bought one or after you've been looking for one. Why is that? I don't know. Why is that? Because you, 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 Focusing. you, you focused what you wanted, and then that's what you see out of life. So if you say, I am great, you'll start noticing all the great things or the things that you are great at. You'll, you, you'll start seeing all the positives in your life. But if you sit there and, and, and say you're, you're worthless, you'll see all the things in your mind that, think, that make you feel that you're worthless. Mm. All that worthlessness is going to start showing up everywhere. So what you say to yourself or what you say to other people is what you're going to start seeing everywhere you go. Yeah. You know, it's a, to me, that's, that, that makes sense to me. That's the concept that I, I, I kind of see, like, when you want something, all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere. Yeah. You're, you're, you're focused. You're focused on it and you see it everywhere. I've happened that to, to me when I was looking for my, for my new car. I was seeing them everywhere and favorite cars that I want. It's funny that you said that. Um, th- that is that's so deep. It, it sounds so easy for us to say that. You are what you feed. And there are studies upon studies that support this. Take care of your mind. Guard your heart, for out of it flows the spring, right? I wanted to add to this, and wow, I almost dropped my train of thought there, too. It, it says in the Bible, in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, um, when you're going through it, I understand when you're depressed, the last thing you want to hear somebody say is, hey, I'm going to pray for you, brother. Or um, you want to hear somebody say, well, things are just going to work out fine. Because when you're going through it, that's not comforting. Because yeah. you're like, I've been praying that. Or tr- trust in God. Trust, trust in God. Trust Everything's going to be you'll, okay. You'll get through it. You'll get through it. And, you know, that's, man, that, that's all the, the Christian things to say. Yeah. But if you, like for me, if, if uh, and I learned this from my wife because she is, um, I think David and I have both been blessed and lucky to have uh, wives that pray. Amen. So, when when my wife says, you know, I'm going to pray for you, I know she's going to be praying for that person. But I think if, you, if you're on the other side uh, in a person's life, right, if, if, say, your spouse is depressed or your kid or, you know, wherever, if you're the shining light in, in this scenario, what you say 
and what you do better line up. It, it, it has to matter. If you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, if you stop in the middle of whatever you're doing and you put your lay hands on them and, and pray for them, maybe like for me, I, I love carrying uh, oil around. I love anointing people uh, when, when I'm praying for them. Um, you know, it, 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 like do what you say you're going to do and do it in real life with them because when you're in that dark place, if somebody grabs your hand and you just feel somebody, if you just touch somebody, that changes so much. It does. When you're going through depression, you feel like you're not seen. Like nobody, you got these walls up around you. It's like n- nobody can relate to me. Mm-hmm. But when somebody does, like there's a difference saying, I'll pray for you, brother. And just like you said, stopping and saying, hey, let me, let me actually pray for you. Because what that does is that shows that person that you see them. And we all want to be seen. And when you are being seen, there is an impact that happens. I mean, it just goes like I, I love, I love how Jesus, uh, in his, in, in the stories that are told about him, uh, in the Bible, where, you know, he's always walking and he's always moving, but when he's doing healing, you know, he's stopping, and he's anointing and touching and and rubbing dirt, you know, and 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 commanding people to get up and walk like he's present and he's here's another here's a word that i said before he's personal with their needs right right he's present and he's personal so i mean for me now i know how dark depression can make someone feel knowing that jesus was the greatest example of how we treat people for someone that's depressed to get them through uh, this season of their life, being present and being personal are very important. It is. And, and I was also just thinking when we were talking about affirmations. Well, you know what? What if you wrote down, I am a child of God? There's weight in that mm-hmm. to say that I am a child of God and I am saved through the blood of Jesus. That holds weight. And not only just by saying that, you start putting it in front of you. I don't care whether you're reading the Bible, you got a prayer book, you're reading a book about the Bible, or you're listening to a sermon on the radio, or you're listening to it on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Feed yourself. Mike, like, what helped me through my depression was not, it wasn't just the medications. I, you know, and this is my experience, but I, I kind of, uh, I left the counseling part of it. For me, I've tried counseling multiple times, and I just can't connect with any of the counselors that I meet. Maybe, you know, it's a defect on my part for a lot of people that works. And it wasn't the medications that got me through it. You know, it was this this one moment. I'll never forget it. And again, it happened in my safe space in my garage, and it was nighttime. And I remember this so vividly. Like, I was sitting there, and I was high out of my mind, and I felt like I was like sinking into black water like I could just envision it like I'm just sinking and I'm like at this point where I put my hands out and I'm lifting it up and you know I I was I was high off my you know what but I just remember that and then and this had to have been like around 12 in the afternoon because I obviously wasn't working but there was in the garage I had this little window and this beam of light was going through it and I was just sitting there and I was feeling like I'm sinking and I, and, I, and I took a picture of it too to always remind me. 
but I'm like putting my finger up to that because I'm like, is, is that what it feels like to have God? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're at your wit's end, rock bottom. It's just like, hey, help me, God. I'm, I'm losing myself. And, and, I, and I was saying that prayer and I just put my finger on that bit of light and it just kind of was encouraging for me. And that was for, and the reason why I remember it so viv- vividly, Mike, is that that was the turning point. Because while I was going through my things, I still understood as a believer the importance of listening to God's word. So even though I was in depression, I had it. Even if it was just black uh, background white noise, I was listening to it because I knew that there's power into it. And I knew someday it was going to it was going to help me out. Yeah. Some people don't have that and they may have other things. But for me, it was like, I got to hear it at least. You know, I got to find something, you know, because I knew that I wasn't going anywhere. You know, I'm, 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 I'm in the doghouse all the time. So. I can't have that conversation with my wife. I don't want my friends to know that I'm, I'm, I'm hitting rock bottom. I, I, I needed a way. And, I, and the word of God in the background is what saved me. Now, there's a process to this. This doesn't happen. For me, it didn't happen overnight. I saw that. But then I started believing that I am a child of God. And then something, it's like something flipped. A switch flipped in me. And my mindset started changing and I, and I was like you know what I'm gonna start listening to these sermons I'm gonna start you know I started journaling trying to figure out like what is in my mind I got to get this out and we're gonna talk about that here in the next section but I started taking steps and two months later I was off of my medications and I don't know what it is man and and, and hey you know I used to like smoking but I can't smoke anymore hmm. I don't know if God I don't know if God took that away from me um, and, and I don't know how I feel about God taking that away from me, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, <laughs> but, but it was like, I, I, I would smoke and it just give me anxiety to the point where I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. It did not bring me the same, the, the, the same joy, the same buzz that I got from doing that. And so I gave it up and it's like, I quit everything and you would like, that is not, uh, you know, when it comes to medicine and all that, that's not even recommended. You don't just stop your medications, yeah. you know, but I did. And, 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 I, and I never went back on them. I just have never gone there. Even if I, even I've had bouts of depression since, I've never been back on medications. There's something about the word of God when it gets in you that changes you. It's, it's the living water. It's the living water. Right? Yes. You, you know what, uh, what I was thinking about when you were uh, telling your story about you, you know, sinking in the, in the blackness and you reaching out for God and the beam of light is there. Uh, man, I, that reminds me of, of, of uh of someone in the bible that was on a boat and god called out to him or he called out to god and he says step on the water you know come out mm. and he took some steps on water right but what happened he started looking around because the storms were terrifying to him and he and he he lost sight of jesus and he sunk right but what was he was reaching out and jesus reached down and grabbed him and pulled him out Yep. Right. Yep. I think that's uh, a, a case in point in, in a lot of our walks. And, and you know, we all get to a, a high point with Jesus. Maybe it's at the beginning, the middle or, or where we're at now. But we're just walking on water with Jesus. Right. We have that faith and stuff. And there's storms that come in our lives. And and, and uh, we sometimes lose. Dis- we get distracted and we lose sight of Jesus. And and we start sinking into our uh, to our our sin, our worldly ways, or maybe we get depressed again, or whatever the case may be. But 
when you reach out, you still get pulled out. That's true. That is very true. I'm so appreciative for that time. I, I just, it, it, it changed. And it's those small wins with depression that I think help you get over it. You, you get that little, okay, you know what? There's a change here. Somebody yeah. can see me. The word of God, I'm, I'm putting that in my heart. And, and, and then next thing you know, somebody else who had depression could come and speak into your life. And then the relationship changes with you and your family. There's like these little small wins that help you get to that point where you're able to treat it. And, and it doesn't go away forever. That's not true. Everybody's going to experience those bouts. But what, what you do is the first step is, and this is what helped me, and the first step is uh, you, you, you separate yourself. You, you don't, and this is why yes, I'll circle back to the beginning of this podcast where I said, you know, people used to get so angry and upset at me when I used to say my depression. Mm. Once you separate yourself from, from depression, and it's not yours, it's depression. And then you start making making that uh, that transition of looking at it from a different perspective. You separate yourself from it, and then you become. Then you can start healing from it, whatever whatever roots were in there. Because when if you're identifying yourself uh, as a uh, depressed person, or you say my depression, like we were just speaking about everything you're going to see is going to make you depressed because that's what you're focusing on, right? True. You're not, you, that's, like I said, you go want, you buy a new car, you want to go buy a new car, what car do you see? Everywhere, down the road, around the, uh, everywhere you go, you see that car because that's what you're focused on. That's what is, is in your mind. Uh, you know, same thing with this. Once you separate yourself from it, then you can fight it. Yep. You know? It's, you're no longer taking ownership of that. No, it, yeah. it's 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 it, it becomes a battle, right? It becomes a battle now. Now yeah. now now you have to face those uh, ugly demons that were rooted in you, that were trying to hold you down uh, in in depression for uh, whatever reason it may be, whatever got you there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so as we transition into our last topic, I wanted to leave you guys with Proverbs twelve twenty five, where it says. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Amen. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. What you feed grows. And when you start feeding yourself with the word of God, and, and not only just with the word of God, right? There's other things out there. The word of the God, I would say, would be of the priority. Yeah. But it's also changing your mind in the way that you, uh, you, know, you start looking at good, healthy affirmations, um, reading learning about depression, you start educating yourself. Education is power. Yep. You know, exercising. You start taking steps towards mental and physical wellness. It's a, it's a, it's a process. But when it's anchored in the word of God, you know, that just uh, is the, is the God's word is the force multiplier. Yep. Right? It amplifies everything. And when God blesses that, it all things it'll change. There's there's no mountain too high, no valley too low that that word of God cannot seek and penetrate your heart. All right, everybody, um, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back and finish it off with our third topic.
All right, and welcome back. So our third topic of the day is going to be let go and let God. Because the, the depression is a battle, a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. I like how Mike said it's a demon. Because if I can envision it as a demon, it's kind of like gives me somebody, not just this wild, like, I'm depressed. It kind of makes me think of there's an enemy, and I can fight that. It kind of gives it a personality, and it's like, okay, now... It's like I can see when I I can think of strategies. It kind of makes you, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was just thinking of that, and it yeah. just kind of makes me feel like it, it separates you from just a broad-term depression. It kind of makes it like, okay, this is a foe that I need to battle. It it, ha- it hides itself, you know, very well. It, it, it It's, you know, chameleon, right? It, mm. it could, it could uh, I don't know, it's, it's just crazy. And, and a lot of people like myself, like I said a, a few times in this podcast that I would get upset at people when they would say, don't say my depression because you're claiming that to be your, and I'm like, that is my life. That is who I, you know, I would go on that rant. But once I separated myself from, from saying my depression, when it, when it became depression that I was dealing with and it wasn't my depression that I have. You see the difference in those statements? It does. You know, and then that's when things started, uh, move, when I started moving forward in my life, when I started feeling better, when my walk with Christ got stronger, when it was the dep- uh, depression that I, I was dealing with, that I'm, you know, uh, and I didn't have any ownership in it because I, I didn't, um, I didn't want my identity yeah. in that. It's almost like you decoupled it. Yeah. It's, it's power. You, you kind of break that power when you see it like that. And I hope that helps somebody today. And I think another cool thing is that, you know, the Word of God, it's not like the Bible doesn't have any, any, um, any people in there that didn't deal with depression in some hard situations. Oh, yeah. You know, you got Job. I mean, look at that. Like, (laughs) it almost makes you angry. It feels like it was a contest between God and the devil. And he's like, you know what? God's like, hey, this, this is a good and faithful servant. He's like, he, and then the devil's like, well, if you take away all the, the good things that you've done for him, he will curse your name. And then God allowed Satan to do what he did to Job. Job lost his family, lost all of that, and even had friends sitting there saying, you know what, you did something wrong, you know, curse God and die. Pretty much. And, and, and Job still didn't do that. So you know he was depressed, but he still anchored himself. Mm-hmm. Who else is in the Bible? Um, you got Jonah, right? The, the, you know, you hear the story of Jonah and the well, but he was reluctant. He was reluctant to go to Nineveh, right? He's he's he came uh, he was scared. Yeah, he was scared, and then he kept trying to run away from that, you know, from that calling to go over there. He ended up getting swallowed by a whale, and 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 that was an error. You see him dealing with it. David, King David. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. He wrote all these psalms about depression and everything else. So it's not like there's no reference in the Bible for you to look at in somebody's life. And sometimes in the Bible, it, it, it there's not a happy ending with that one. To me, that kind of makes the validates and confirms a lot of it because the Bible isn't just this fairy tale, right? You got real people in there dealing with real situations, sometimes off the wall situations. Some overcome it, some succumb to it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stories. I mean, look at Judas Iscariot. What did he do after he betrayed Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I was. Uh, that was I was gonna bring that up too because. I think um, to give credit to uh, Mal Gibson and, and the Passion of the Christ, I think the way he portrayed 
that scene out, the way he wrote that scene out, and the way it, they acted it out, and I, it almost feels like that. Yeah, you know when you're just constantly running, but they're the the, the demons are are there. Those kids, those little creepy kids that were yeah. following them through. You're like, yep. oh my gosh. I have a few of those at home, but yeah, um, you 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 almost feel like that's that's exactly how it feels. You know when you're run when you're trying to figure out what what how you feel, what's going on in your life, and these these demons are um, just constantly coming at you. But he he ultimately uh, hung from a tree, and that's the way he he decided to dealt with it. Like you you have the the stories of success from that, and then you have mm-hmm. the stories of failure in in that as well. And you know it's all it's all over in there. Like you you brought up David King David. What was part of the uh, stuff that you're listing off? Guilt was one of them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean uh, Judas had guilt, and um, David had guilt when. Uh, with that one chick that he's seen uh, on the on the rooftop, and then he, he <laughs> that, that one that one lady <laughs> that chick, and then he had um, her her husband killed in in battle. You know, like uh, how? And then the child, she's like, "Oh, I'm pregnant." Now he's like, "What do I do?" You know, that's the guilt, right? And, and I'm sure depression came following after that. Not only that, his son Absalom grows up, rapes the daughter, right, and rebels against dad, and like, come on, that's some stuff to be depressed about, what happened, <laughs> what David was going through, that'd drive anybody crazy. They're there for you to read, and and we finished a group not too long ago called The Divine Mentor. Mm-hmm. All of the prophets, all of the characters in the Bible are just waiting for you to come sit with them and learn about it, and a lot of them have something to say about your depression, Yep. and, and to the theme. Let go and let God. How long are you going to hold on to that depression? How long are you going to cradle it? How long are you going to embrace its comfort? Well, I want to say that it's, it's got, if you're depressed right now, that's got to be taking a toll on your life. Yeah. And you're not alone. We all struggle with asking for help. And I think, uh, especially for guys, I think that's an area where we're weak at. We're weak in that area of asking for help. And not only should you ask for help, but go to the go to the source of your salvation first. Ask God to help you with that. Ask God to bring people into your life to help you with that. Yeah, and it, and maybe maybe you're listening to this and and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I would encourage you to, um, you know, find find your local church or find somebody that you know, or or simply say this prayer. You know, if you're if you're ready to receive Christ. Right now, and you're listening to this, just repeat this, you know, words after me, and and this will be your starting point. This will be your first step in victory. You say, Lord Jesus, I, I believe you're the Son of God. I mm. believe you died on the cross. I ask that you come into my heart, renew me, change me, and, and give me direction, Lord, and, and help me uh, to better be a person to lead myself and with your help out of this depression. You know, if if you believe those words, you know, Jesus will come into your heart. And I'm telling you, you know, man, God will, God, God will give and provide and, 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 sh- and shepherd you in the right direction. Definitely. Doing the, doing the prayer. We're all about leading you, right? That's We're here right. to help you. I mean, that's something that, that most believers are empathetic with. Because everybody who's come, who's accepted Jesus, and if you just did, 
When Mike just called, did that little altar call, and you accepted Jesus, congratulations to you. Amen. Welcome to the body, right? Yep. And, 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 and now it's time to, to walk that journey. And there's that saying, let go and let God take care of it. Give it to God, and he will deal with it. But you, too, are accountable for your actions. Yes, yes. I believe that God meets us halfway because there's stuff that we have to push through. We are clay in the hands of the potter. And you have to take some steps. Yeah, look, I've I've been sober. I'm going on on five years uh, this November, and I could tell you the first two and a half to three years of my sobriety, um, God really dealt with a lot of stuff in my heart that uh, that was oh, I I didn't even realize it was an issue. I didn't even realize it was anchored to depression. It was anchored to my alcoholism. It was an ang- like. There was a lot of things that God had to uh, pull out of my heart and pull out of me to confront me with it, to uh, to ask for forgiveness, to get forgiveness for it. Like there was a lot of work that God's been uh, that had to do in that first two and two and a half, three years of my walk when I finally decided to give a hundred percent of my life to God. You know, it, it it just didn't happen. I just didn't all of a sudden you know give my life to Christ, and then you know here I am. Um, you know, just basking in the glory of, of God with no issues whatsoever. You know, I, I still this day, I still deal with issues and heart things that come along, but I have the resources. I have a God that has my back. You know, I walk hand in hand with Jesus. So when these things come to me and come at me and come for me, um, I'm, I have Jesus with me. I have my word. I have I have God, you know, I have the angels, like I ha- I'm equipped to deal with it mm. and it comes, sh- it comes quick, but it ends short because my God is victorious in every battle that I mm. face. So, you know, I, I, I just encourage you wherever you're at, if you're walking with God and you're dealing with something, just know for me, it took two and a half years. Maybe it takes two days for you. Maybe it takes two years for you, two months for you, whatever it looks like, but don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up because those those trials and tribulations you're going to go through are, are building you and, and, and creating a, a strong foundation in your relationship with Jesus. You may not see it now, but I promise you, I promise you, you'll look back and you'll be like, yep, my God is real. Yeah. And Mike, I don't know about you, but the areas where I have been delivered from depression or that I've made it past, they don't hold as much weight on me when I deal with it again, whether that's identity issues, um, struggling with relationships. There's just some areas after, you know, you battle that depression and you're delivered, they're, they're easier to fight through. And Mike, I, I loved what you just said. What, when you were talking about that, what came to my mind is the testimony piece. Because when God delivers you from depression, and whether it takes six months to two years, that testimony that you have, and your testimonies are powerful. If you guys haven't heard a chance to talk, if you ever get a chance to talk to Mike one-on-one, talk to him. As a matter of fact, the next episode, we're going we're gonna to be talking about addiction, and we're going to have a guest speaker on with us, and it's going to be a powerful conversation. But when God delivers you, there's a testimony there, mm-hmm. and that testimony is powerful. And that's what the body of Christ is right it's 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 the church is full of a bunch of people with testimonies and let go let god also means let god heal you and let god use his people to heal you mm-hmm. 
There's somebody, if you go to the church, who's been through depression. Look to engage other folks because when you hear their testimony and you're able to sit there and listen, like, wow, you went through that? And it's encouraging and it uplifts and it strengthens you in dealing with yours. I I like to picture um, when they say, like, you know, like, your testimony is your greatest weapon, and, and, you know, the Word of God is when you're putting the armor of God on, right? You, The Word is a sword, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that sword is a double-edged sh- sword. On one side, it's the Scripture. On the other side, it's your testimony. Come on. That's what I picture every time I, I feel like, you know, when I hear people say, oh, like, your testimony is your, your greatest weapon. I'm like, yeah, it is. And you know how you sharpen that? Everyday life, mm-hmm. every a divine appointment, every time, every devotion, every every alone time in your quiet place, every war room that you have, every time you get on your knees and praying, you're sharpening one side, and then you're sharpening the other. Yep, and ready to do battle. Um, and all, what also comes to mind is First Corinthians ten thirteen. Let me read that scripture and then let's talk about it. It says, "No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man." God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Depression is one of those unique uh, unique uh, challenges because it's a mental thing. I mean, it, it is physical. There's, there's, there's other types of depression. But in general, it's, it's, it's a mental battle. God says in the Word, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Depression is one of those areas that is common to man and women, right? <laughs> I feel like we, we, we generally talk to, you know, we, we talk from a male's perspective, and I can't wait to get some women on, on yeah. this to speak to the women out there yes. and help us get some insight and perspective. So, sorry we're not, we're not uh, a woke. Uh, <laughs> we're not woke. Definitely not a woke podcast. <laughs> so um, sorry, but not sorry. Uh, anyways, but yeah, like having... Uh, Having the word and the scripture to, to stand on uh, when you're dealing with the when you're dealing with something so secluded, right? It, it's in your mind. It's 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 inside. You can't see it, Mm-mm. you know, um, and you can't see it until you separate yourself from it. Like I was uh, saying before, because once you separate separate it from yourself, you you start getting color but back to your face, right? You start getting a glow to you. You start, there's a difference. Yeah, you can see the enemy now. Yep. You know it. It's a yeah, target. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a good uh, uh, scripture. Yeah, because it happens to everybody. So, And God will give you the strength to endure it. You will survive. And and, and if you ever find yourself that to that point, and I think, you know, I, I, both of us have been there before where there were suicide enters your mind. You know, this scripture... It, it, it encourages me because it's like, you know what? I'm not going to give you what's beyond your ability to be tempted with. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. You can survive it, even though it feels like you can't. Some people never, you know, I've had family that's been impacted by that, and it breaks my heart. But, you know, if you're, if you're on that brink, God can redeem you from that. It is something that is, if you can just think about this, you know, this depression it's not uncommon, and God will not let me be tempted beyond my ability, and he will provide a way for me to escape. I need to be open to that. I need to take those steps towards healing, but this is something that I can overcome. 
And when you can separate yourself from the depression, it no longer has that iron grip that you thought it has on you. Mm. It is now an enemy with a face that can you can do battle with, spiritual battle with. And you can use all the tools, your mind, body, and spirit, and start investing in those tools and get to that point where you can let go and let God. All right, so um, before we end it, let's let's talk about some practical or, or some things that tips. What what can we offer to help? Just a couple things. Let's let's try to name off maybe five if that can come to mind on ways that we can help folks battle depression. And I want to say the first one: Hey, ask for help or go get help. Yeah. There's nothing wrong, and there's nothing. It doesn't mean that you don't have any faith if you go call a doctor or a therapist and say, "I need help," because they have the you know, not only this medications, and it doesn't matter how you feel about medications. It's okay if you need to take it temporarily. Yeah, to get you to where to you get you to go. where you need to go. But therapists, counselors, they're trained to help you dig deep, right? Because sometimes you need somebody. I, I I didn't have the strength to identify like what's wrong with me. I had to take some processing, you know. And they know the questions. They've been trained to to help to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, to to really dig in. I'll say for for two, uh, what what comes to mind is, um, for me, I found uh, Recovery Road at at Thrive Church. Being around other people that struggle the way you do and being around people that struggled the way you do and have made it past that and can offer advice and and then you can open up join join a recovery group recovery is it is yeah the base is on on alcohol and and drugs and stuff and you know the very common things but in our recovery you know we've had people that dealt with depression in there we we had people that you know lost a husband and they're grieving and they needed to be uh start the process of healing at at least the recovery uh road um that I went to, this is how, you know, it was a, a very vast, wide uh, of issues that people dealt with. But I saw and I've seen and I've been a part of and I've helped and I was the one that was growing and getting over some of those things that I was dealing with. Nice, nice. I would say three, and this is just something I would highly recommend, is start journaling. Yep. You know, write out what's going on in your head and put that on the paper. There's something magical that comes that there's something magical that happens when you put pen to paper and your thoughts just flow. And I would say like, start writing about those, uh, you know, identifying those triggers. Like what is giving me this depression or causing me anxiety? What happened to me? Write about it, write about your childhood, write about experiences. I, I was I was so against this, like writing about how I feel and talking about that. But when I did that, it flowed. It, it spilled like water onto the paper. Mm-hmm. It just went on there, and I was able to to like w- when I went back and I read it, and and it, and, and it just helps me heal because it's like you know what I see that I need to talk about that. As a matter of fact, I have this. I also not only do I enjoy writing with pen and paper, but I have this app called Day One, and I believe it's available on Apple and Android. But what it does is it gives you uh, on this day. And I've been using it for five years. So I, I do videos. I, I talk and, you know, do audio stuff and talk about, like, where my mindset is at at a certain time. And there's been times where I've looked at this day 
in the past year and I'm dealing with anxiety and depression, I'm like, how is it that this is the same day in the same year and I get this reminder that I'm still struggling with this stuff? And then it forced me to consider, like, what am I doing about this? How am I processing this? Or I get a reminder on the day, like, hey, you, you, you battled this victory. You overcame this. And my mindset changed. So, so when you're writing it down or you're journaling about it, you can go back and you can look at, like, how was my mindset then? How is it now? And what changed? And you can reflect upon those things. There's something powerful that happens when journaling that, that is good and healthy for the mental health side of it when it comes to depression. Yeah, and the the fourth thing I would the fourth thing I would say is get in your word. Yeah, you know, like just like get a devotion started. Get, download the Bible app, go to, to their devotion section, and then just start devoting uh, your time to getting in God's Word. Um, download the the daily audio Bible app. Get on there and start listening to uh, Brian uh, read the Word to you. And then after he reads the word, you know, he commentates on what you've read. You get a deeper understanding of what's going on. And then what I think a lot of our personal favorite part of the whole thing is at the end of it, you people send in prayer requests. Oh, that's so powerful. You know, and, and you hear prayer requests. You hear uh, praise reports. You hear updates on everybody. And, and it, and it kind of gives you a sense of community. And it's amazing. So I would encourage you to download the Bible app. Go into a devotion. Just start anywhere in a devotion. And then don't wait for January 1 to to start the Daily Audio Bible. Just start today. Whatever today is, just know that this is your divine appointment to 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 God help for God to heal you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that that's that should have been number one, right? Like get into God's word. It has the power to change you. And hey, we, we actually made it to five. And the biggest antidepressant, what is that? It's working on your physical fitness. Like, get some exercise in. I, I cannot stress how, how, uh, how much exercising has helped me. I mean, there's, there's tons of studies on this. Yeah. And, and, you know, go look it up. You know what I mean? And if you're too lazy to Google it, then go look it up on YouTube and watch some videos. But focusing on fitness, physical health, eating right, is is probably one of the best cures for depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. It releases. It helps you get it, work it out. There's something, you know, for me, I love lifting them weights. And when I'm pushing those weights, it's like stress just falls off, and I feel good after that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I encourage you. And, and I want to say this again. If, if, you, if you, you know, accepted Christ uh, for the first time uh, through this podcast, um, just reach out. Um, I know we're going to be, uh, connecting our, our email to, uh, to the podcast, right? We're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get an email, maybe even a Facebook page coming down the line. Yeah, but we're so, trying to launch so we'll, this. We'll, uh, we'll attach that to in, in the descriptions, uh, in our, in our header and stuff, but reach out. And if you need help, if you need to, uh, advice or talk, um, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to, um, create that community exactly and i would like to finish uh before we close out here on john 16 33 i have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world to me that says if the world's throwing stuff at you go to the one who defeated the world 
Mm, mm, that's the perfect way to end. Amen. We have nothing else to add to that. Just remember, like Mike said, you're not alone. You're never alone. All right. So on that note, hey, this is the, this is like the the relaunching of our podcast, and um, I'm David. I'm Mike, and we are the, the Kingdom Misfits. Misfits. <laughs> All right, Misfits, stay we'll see blessed. You later.